0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swann and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. There we go. There we go. You know, we sang the song Miracles, and I get blessed with that, and this is is just how good God is, that um, tonight we have a person sitting in here that is a living walking miracle that she hasn't been in church since probably July of 2019 and their whole family has become an inspiration to me because of their stand on the word of God and just the kingdom fight in them so first of all Berta would you stand this is Berta Soto and Elizabeth, you and, you, and, you and Justin stand, too. You guys all stand up. This, this is incredible. She was diagnosed with leukemia, wasn't given a, really a chance to live. And every, every time I would have the opportunity to go to the hospital and see her, they, they inspired me. So bless you guys. If you don't believe in miracles, there it is right there. Yeah. She sent out a prayer request back in October, and she asked us to get an agreement that she said, I, I want to come to church on October 28th, which was a Wednesday. Well, that was in the ice storm. And man, the staff got together in the Tuesday night prayer, and we said, we're going to pray that that happens, and whoop, here she is. Praise the Lord, yeah. Goodness of God. So that's a miracle. And then on a lighter side, I'm going to give you another miracle. You know, a lot of times it's been said about us as men, we can only do one thing at a time. I'm telling you tonight, that's a lie. And our own pastor, Evan Havens, proved that. That I was so blessed that he could play the guitar, beat the drums, and sing at the same time. So men, there's hope. There's hope. Wives, don't give up. There's hope, okay? Okay. Now, don't go overboard on that, just remember, all right? Well, if you got your Bible, go with me, the book of uh, Proverbs 6. Again, I'm glad you're here. If you're watching by live stream, and I know many of you are, I want to bring you good news that God's still on the throne, that he's still saving. Uh, God has moved a lot of our families that had COVID back into going back to work. Uh, We have several that are getting out of the hospital tomorrow, including Bob Worth, who many of you have prayed for. And so, yeah, you can clap. Just the goodness of God. We are seeing God's goodness. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive our tithes and offerings tonight. And this passage, every time I study it, is always interesting to me. So, in saying that, we're going to learn from the ant tonight, okay? The little bitty guy called an ant. Proverbs 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Now, I love this because one of the translations says, go to the ant when you're feeling lazy. Uh Uh-oh. Consider her ways and be wise. Look at the, the, the ant as an example. Which having no captain or overseer or ruler to tell them what to do, provides her supplies in the summer, and gathers her food in the harvest. Now, right there off of that, you begin to see this ant, who doesn't have anyone to tell them what to do, understands the power of a daily discipline. My choices today will impact my tomorrow. So he goes on to say the ant here. Verse 9. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler. And this is like a warning. Don't make excuses. And your need like an armed man. So the ants... Instincts right here, I believe would be the best word to say, it tells us to shame laziness, to get rid of the habit of procrastination, a lack of initiative, and a lack of discipline. So when I read this right here, man, every one of us has a thing called our stewardship, and our stewardship testifies So the best definition I can give you of stewardship is what do you do with what God's given you? And I said your stewardship testifies. And and oftentimes we we don't think that happens. But even in this passage right here, I I believe the stewardship of the ant shows us, I got to make my days count, okay? And so God is faithful. When you'll do your part, God will bless, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you. We, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Lord, grace us in these areas, every one of us, that if we procrastinate or we have become lazy, slothful, a lack of discipline, Lord, I ask you to grace us in these areas. And we give you glory and honor for everything you've blessed us with in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I'm glad you're here on a, on a Wednesday night. If you got your Bible, go with me to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1. I'm going to give you a couple passages tonight that I believe will kind of locate our faith and give us an idea of this in the New Testament, and then we'll end tonight in the Old Testament. Um, you know, Hebrews 10, 38 says, The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And we've, we've heard this over and over that Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. So I believe if we really, really believe the Bible, man, we, we better load up. We better load up on faith. And what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible is very clear, Romans 10, 17. The only way that faith comes is by hearing and by hearing the word of God. So I've I got to hear the Word of God, but then it jumps to even more. I've I got to put the Word of God into motion. How would that look? Well, the best definition I can give you that would take you back into Joshua 1, where he said, speak the Word. He said, meditate on the Word, ultimately do the Word, and then you'll walk in prosperity and have good success. So I believe this is still the function of faith, that I believe with my heart and I speak with my mouth. So we start here, and this was the Apostle Paul, writing to this young pastor named Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge or command I commit to you, son Timothy. And, and when I begin to look at this, he's, he's telling him, this is the responsibility that I'm telling you, okay? Listen real close, Timothy. According to the prophecies that previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. You may wage the good warfare. And when I read this, he's, he's getting over onto an area called a, a spiritual warfare. That you may wage the good warfare. Now, I highlight something in there. It's a good warfare, not a bad one. It's a good one, so... How do I wage this good warfare? What what would that actually look like? The very next thing he says, having faith, having faith, keeping a fast or firm grip on my faith, which would be having faith or an absolute confidence that God will do what he said he'll do. An absolute trust and confidence Now, God's word will not change. So, in this this good warfare, the first thing he said, having faith and a good conscience or a clear, clean conscience, which some have rejected. Now, if you notice how he writes here, he he would say a little phrase and there would be a comma. Having faith, comma. A good conscience, comma. Which having or some have rejected. Now, as I stop there... What have they rejected? In verse 19, concerning the faith, they've suffered sheep, uh, a shipwreck because they've rejected these virtues specifically, they rejected faith, they rejected the opportunity to live and obey God in these areas, and now they're destitute of true faith. And it's interesting, he says, they've suffered shipwreck. The end was shipwreck or despair. So in reading this here, those who choose to abandon the truth, those who choose to abandon the morals of the gospel in favor of false doctrine... They will be met with catastrophe. So when I read this, and I want to get into faith. I want to stay in faith. I want to live by faith. I want to fight that good warfare. And he's telling us here, you're going to have to step out and believe God and trust God for his grace. That he'll grace you with his faith. That he'll help you to do the things that the, the word of God tells us to do. Now, go with me back to your right to 1 Peter chapter 1. And as you're going to 1 Peter here, Peter begins to give us a whole nother insight. And what you're going to begin to see in this passage, that there's times in our life you're going to endure trials. You're going to have to endure them. Sometimes a trial can be defined as a crisis. Now, I don't have to ask of hands, but you may be in a crisis right now. You may be in a trial right now. Just, just watch what Peter says in his writing. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again. He has begotten us again. Now there's some, I mean, there's some wording in there. Ooh, I think it's powerful when we, we get up and we welcome a God's abundant mercy. I, I, I welcome your abundant mercy. You know, the, the scripture is very clear that the mercies of God are new every day. You know why? We use them all up. Thank God the sun comes up and there's a whole nother line of mercy. But he says, abundant of mercy and has begotten us again. Now that statement, begotten us again, is literally meaning... Having been born again, I, I've been given another chance in this life because I've been born again. Now, it's, it's clear in, in 2 Corinthians 5 that when we get born again, we become new creations in Christ Jesus. That it's very clear that it says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so, I don't know, but I celebrate this. I, I'm a new creation. I've been begotten again. I've been given a second chance at this thing called life. He goes on to say, He has begotten us again to a living hope. The living Christ makes possible a living hope. Now, as I begin to look at this, you know what this literally means, a living hope? You can stand up again. You can get back up again. It's it's like the Lord saying, because of salvation in you, get back up again. Start living again. Verse 4. To an inheritance that's incorruptible or imperishable and undefiled, and it does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. It's reserved for you. Ooh, God's got inheritance for us. Not only eternity in heaven, but He's got inheritance for us right now. Verse five. Who are kept by the power of God. Who are kept by the power of God, which literally means protection against the enemy. God has kept you by His power. For salvation ready to be revealed in the last days. Now watch what he talks about here starting in verse 6. In this greatly rejoice. In what am I to greatly rejoice? For a little while, if need be, you may have been grieved or distressed by various Trials, in comparison with eternal inheritance, these present trials are just for a little while, just for a little while, compared to eternity. Now, he said something that caught my eye when he said, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved in various trials. I, I'm to rejoice that I'm in various trials. Well, I can rejoice in these trials because number one, I know God's going to come through. And number two, I'm born again. I know where my inheritance is going to ultimately leave me at, in heaven. So he said, Rejoice in these things. But I can't get past what he said. There's going to be various trials. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, that the sterling core of your faith, being much more precious than gold. What a statement. That the genuineness of your faith, is much more valuable than gold. It's much more precious than gold. Now, you know what this tells me? Man, when people on this earth get into faith, God's very aware of you. If he says, that's what's precious. But if it's that precious, why do we need more of that? It's more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire. So the faith that becomes genuine has got to be tested by fire. In other words, you're going to go through some things. Your faith is going to go through some things. And when it's tested by fire, That it may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So genuine faith that's put through suffering, it comes out proved. The best way I begin to read this, and the passion I believe said it's this, that when your faith goes through a fire, that's the only way that you find out what authentic faith is. And when I read that, I said, Lord... I want my faith to be authentic. I I want my faith to be real. Really, when I think about it in this sense, I don't want some knockoff faith. I want authentic faith that it's real and it believes in God, it stands on the Word of God, it doesn't move. Now, when you read that right there, I believe Peter was, was encouraging us. He was admonishing us to say, You're going to go through some... Hang on to it, okay? Don't let your faith get shipwrecked. Go with me into the Old Testament to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And so as I'm thinking about all this, how our faith has to go through fire, our lives, when we choose to live by faith, will resemble Abraham who's called the father of faith. And so when I read this passage here, Genesis 12, I'll I'll think the word of God will begin to to illustrate to me and you, man, you got to stay with the word of God for the long term, for the long haul. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, he spoke to Abram. And he said, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, Abraham's journey of faith, who's the father of faith, the Bible highlights that. His journey of faith begins right here with a charge from Father God. And he says to him, you've you've got to go to a land that I tell you. And on this journey, it would be a test for him to start with that he's got to give up everything with him that he's familiar with and secure with. Everything that he had always known. From your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Now, every time I read this, this is what jumps out to me immediately. The only guarantee that Abraham had was the Word of God, that was it. But that's the same with me and you. We we've got the word of God. And when he, when he tells him, you got to get away from your country, from your father's house, from your family, and go to the land I will show you. Never one time did he say to him, and P.S., you're gonna face a lot of trials. You're gonna go through a bunch of, of tests, you're gonna go through some fire. And I begin to think about that with all the great men and women of the Bible. He would tell them their assignment, their charge, their responsibility, but he would never, he would never highlight it with all the stuff you're going to have to go through to get there. And I think about Joseph at a young age. Remember, he's got these incredible dreams and everything, but not one time did God say, "And by the way, your brothers are going to want to kill you," and and "By the way, you're going to be sold to a slave," and. But with every crisis, every crisis, when I'm going through trans- transition in my life, that will be the highlight. Verse 2 I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Woohoo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Sounds great. I'm all in. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. You got it? Abraham, he's got it. You know how I know he's got it? Look at verse 4. So Abram departed. Abram departed. Now, I want to go back to something where we started on this. For him to depart is a leap of faith. That's that's all this is. That's all he's got is a promise which would be a leap of faith. And so if I am to analyze a leap of faith here, he's saying, you know what? I'm departing because, Father God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust your word only because you said so. So he departs. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abraham took Sarah's wife, Lot his brother, son, and all the possessions that they had gathered. And the people who they had gathered inquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. And I highlight again. All they had to go by was a promise. You know, when I read that, when you get a promise from God, that's all you need. That's all you need. Just hang on to that promise. And when I talk about that, I liken to the Word of God. Where you got to have bulldog faith. And when I mean a bulldog faith, man, when a bulldog bites down, he latches onto that thing, and it's almost like they got to pry his teeth apart to get it out. That's how we got to be with the promises of God. And I believe this with Abraham. Because as he departed, his choice to obey what God told him to do now doesn't just affect him. I got a wife. I got kids. I got all kinds of people. But it didn't move him. And the interesting thing, the more Abraham goes into this and walks into this, I can never find where he questions God. He just keeps going. Verse 8 or 6. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Tirbinith tree of Moriah. And the Canaanites were there in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said, To your descendants I will give this land. Now he gives him another promise To your descendants I will give this land. And there, Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, the reason he built an altar to the Lord, the altar was always signifying that I'm going to come into the presence of God. I'm going to worship God. And the altar was a reminder to them of God's promise and God's protection. And he builds an altar to the, to the Lord right there. In other words, it's like, I trust you, Father God. I trust you for every bit of this. Verse 8. And he moved from there to the mountains east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And I stopped there. The word Bethel, Beth means house, L-E-L means Lord, House of the Lord. Now look what he does here at the house of the Lord. And on the east was Ai. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And so this becomes a habit of him. That he begins to go to the altar. And he begins to spend time in the presence of God. And I believe it again was to say, Father God, I trust you. I worship you. And that's why it's so significant when I come to the altar and I just come to a place to worship him and say, Lord, let your presence reassure me that this is you. Verse 9. So Abraham journeyed going on still toward the south. Now there was famine in the land. Now there was famine in the land. Now when I read there was famine in the land, This means everything in the land is withered. The trees are dying. There's zero pasture. There's scarce water sources. And so he goes to this area that's called the famine. And and the famine has a voice. And you know what famine says? Fear, destruction, devastation. Famine says crisis. What are we gonna do? And I wonder when he starts going in this, And he thinks, I'm going to this place, this land that he's going to give me that's so blessed. And he sees a famine. I wonder in his flesh if he didn't want to whisper in Sarah's ears and say, I think I missed it. I think I blew it. In our modern day is, I think I choked. He sees all this. And look what it goes on to say even further here. And he, he, then he went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was so severe in the land. Crisis. Difficulty. But what I find out in this journey here, he never questions God. He never second guesses God. When everything in him is screaming, quit. When everything is screaming, give up. Don't go anymore. And I believe every one of us in times in our life, we have those thoughts. We hear those words. Quit! Just give up. Turn around and go back. But something within this guy, and I believe it was all hinging on the promises of God. He kept going, and he kept going, and he kept serving God. And you may say, well, how do you know all that? Well, go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm fast-forwarding you through the Bible here on a a Wednesday night. And if you've ever studied Hebrews 11 at all, Hebrews 11 is better known as the Faith Hall of Fame. And if you were to read Hebrews 11 over and over, it'll say, and by faith, and by faith. And every one of those men, men and women that are in the Faith Hall of Fame And they stood out by faith. They stepped out by faith. They trusted and believed God. Now look what it says here in the Faith Hall of Fame about Abraham, Hebrews eleven verse eight. By faith, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham said, this is what God said, and so I'm going to obey it. So when I read this, the only way he inherited the the inheritance was by faith. He had to go with it. So anytime I don't obey God, I believe this with all my heart. We are forfeiting inheritance that God wants you to have. But the only way is to step out in faith. And so he goes on to say here, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Man, most of us right there, we'd quit right there. What what do you mean I don't know where I'm going? I'm just going to go? Well, at least give me a compass. At least give me a hint. But this guy stepped out completely. And there was something in this guy that said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. And every time I read that, I, I go back and I think, I wonder what his family members were saying about him. Man, I, abes he's cracked. He's, he's gone overboard. He, he, he needs to be admitted to the ha-ha hotel. He's crazy. He's crazy. He's gone nuts. But Abraham wasn't moved by what the family thought. He wasn't moved by what his next-door neighbors thought. He said, I'm, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to step out and obey God. Verse 9. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country... Dwelling in tents with Abram, with, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, the heirs of him with the same promise. So Abraham stood on a promise, and Isaac stood on a promise, and Jacob stood on a promise, and when I come in here, I look and I think. What promises am I standing on? Because you know what? We are the seed of Abraham. We have the same opportunity. So when he says here, on the same promise, let me ask you. Are there any promises of God's word that you're standing on right now? I, I believe this is significant that we get to a place where you find out scripture and the word of God. And, and you bite down on that scripture and you hang on to it, how long? Until it arrives. Well, what if that's all my life? Good. Just stay with it and stay with it. But we live in this this instant society, this microwave society. If my popcorn's not done in 12 seconds, I get mad. If I go to Starbucks and it's not out in 13, I get mad. We've been we've been moved to an area it's gotta happen this quick. It's gotta happen this quick. You know, years ago, I'm I'm struggling in my life really, 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 really hard with that stinking stuff called alcohol. And I got to a place in my life where I I hated it. And listen, the only way you get free from anything, you gotta hate it. And sometimes you've gotta have a, a, a consequence or something in front of you that will cause you to hate it. Well, in my life, I had a wife and a daughter, and my wife said, If you're gonna serve that, we're done, okay? And when I realized that consequence, so I got where I hated it, and so I stood on a scripture. I, I dug in the word and I said I did. Shelley was with me. And Colossians 1:13, he said, He delivered me from the power of darkness. And I began to speak that. And man, I would, I would meditate on that. I would look at that and I'd say, thank you, Lord. You, you said you've delivered me from the power of darkness. Now, if you're watching live stream, I'm talking to you right now. I stood on it and I stood on it. And I would pray that and Shelly would pray that. And we had three by five cars. And I'd say, Father God, you said that you delivered me from the power of alcohol. You set me free. Father God, I believe you. But from the time I started confessing that and standing on that promise until I totally got free of that, it was four years. Four years. Man, it's, it's a journey that ignited my faith because you know what happened with me and me? I realized he answered that promise. He answered that. And I believe in this as I end here in verse number 10, for he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Is God. That, that authentic faith. That faith that says, you know what? I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to keep serving God. And so I, I don't know what your dilemma is right now. I, I don't know where you're at. But when you trust a God that, that, that honors his promises... You know, he said in 1 in Corinthians 1 20, he said, All the promises of God through Christ Jesus are yes and amen, or yes and so be it. And I get a hold of the promise. Get a hold of the promise. Find scripture for you. Stand on that. And I don't care what begins to happen, stay with it. Stay with it. That authentic faith. Why don't you stand up here with me? It's now 8 o'clock in the central time zone. I believe right now every one of us are going through some form of a trial or a test. But remember, man, when you go through those, woo, that 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 precious faith is being proved. There's something that's working in me. You know, even when we pray for miracles, that we pray that God takes what's impossible and makes it possible. If it's possible, I don't need God. But when it's impossible, I need God. Well, I'm in a situation where I need the impossible God to move in my life. But the way he moves is through his word and when we choose to believe it. See, again, none of you in here got born again until you stepped out by faith and you said, Lord Jesus I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. Keep moving in that area of promises. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. Just raise your hands if you feel like, man, I want to honor God. I honor you, Lord. We we raise hands to the great Jehovah today. Father God, the, the God who promised Abraham the God who who challenges us to this day with his word. And Lord, all over your house, I, I ask that you grace every one of us with fresh faith, with faith that has courage written all over it. Father God, we ask you to bless right now, strengthen. We say thank you for being the God of miracles. Thank you for moving in hearts in here tonight, right now. And Lord, we give you a great week. Or we give you the, the, the first fruits, the last fruits, the best fruits of the rest of our week. And we thank you that you're the never-changing God in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubick.com.